0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. Uh, today, we have a comic creator who's been uh, around the industry for a long time, real veteran, who's worked with everybody, knows everybody. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome John Levisay to the show. John, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, and I, we, 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 there's a few. So we have a few things that John and I are going to chat about today. <laughs> uh, we can't get too much into detail, uh, on the new project that uh, was announced earlier this week in The Hollywood Reporter. That is coming for all of you. The new, the big news, the big episode will drop with John and some of his collaborators on Monday. But we're going to tease it a little bit. And I also wanted to have John come on and just talk about the fact that he's one of us. John has an amazing comic book collection that he <laughs> shares uh, beautiful, gorgeous books on Twitter all the time. Plus, he's oftentimes sharing his artwork. I mentioned that the guy's worked with everybody as an inker, and he's constantly sharing uh, original art that he's done with other uh, pencilers and other collaborators, as well as sometimes even shares his own collection, stuff that he didn't work on, but amazing pages from the likes of uh, Jim Starlin and and others, uh, great ones. So he collects original art. He collects comics. He's very much one of us, but he also makes amazing comics as well. So i guess we should i am all in yeah <laughs> I am all yeah, all yeah in. exactly you you put your you're putting your money where your mouth is which i which i love yep. um because you know there have been comic creators and i'm not going to name any names but there have been comic creators especially in the past i know who they are uh that they make their living at comics but yet they they'll bad mouth them onto the other side of their mouth
1: you know what i mean yeah like, oh, i I, I know I know a handful or, uh, you know, a decent amount of guys like that, man. It's baffling that, you know, yeah, I still go to the shop every week. I know I buy a nice amount of books, whether I buy three comics, five or ten every week. And I flip through everything so I keep abreast of everyone that's doing stuff. If there's a new guy or, or if there was a gig I was supposed to get and I didn't get it, I got to see how it looked. But yeah, it's crazy. I know some of those comic artists; they just don't care about it, and they have no interest in helping. Or, or they would never go to the shop and buy any books yep. ever. And I've told them, I go, "How would, how is it possible you want to continue a career in an industry you can't support? Like you have no interest in helping it."
0: Yeah, so, and I feel yeah. like you know you, you, you used to be a little more. Um, it used to be a little more common back in the day for that to happen you know um Mm -hmm. in fact I was just watching recently in um a documentary on Alex Toth and Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: (laughs) I think it was I want to say it was Joe Kubert uh Kubert that was on there that was talking about how back in the day you didn't you said you're a commercial artist you didn't say as an artist that you worked in I think that was a
1: long that was a long time ago I I think that's stigma dissolved around the marvel boom in 62 yeah yeah. he was he was referring to to more of the golden yes Oh Um, yeah 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 yeah.
0: but yeah we've come we've come a long way um since then but yeah there 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 still does there still are uh, you know a handful and and i i don't get it either because now comics are sort of the the center of pop culture um, but, but like you said, John, you're, you're a weekend uh, or a Wednesday warrior rather. Um, <laughs> and you're there every, every Wednesday. Um, and you mentioned flipping through to kind of keep abreast of what people are. So, yep. but it's not just in terms of, Hey, let me see what techniques,
1: let me see what artists are, are, you know, evolving. No. you enjoy the stories too, right? Yeah, no, I, I want to make sure like, you know, you know, and of course there's always the, the randomness, like. Man, that cover is really cool, but it's not a book I generally get. But that cover is so good, I gotta pick it up. Or there's the really rare incentive variant of something that is so damn cool. Like, man, I gotta get this. But you know, it's a couple bucks more. Or you know, I'll flip through a book, and sometimes I'll start reading the book because some issue, like maybe they had a filling guy or. It was some major story break and I was like oh this is pretty good now you know I'm gonna jump back on this so as much as I'd love to buy everything every week you know obviously it's not possible with most of the general public so you know you get what you like and you know like I and I even this week I just had my issue uh I did inks on over Chris Pichello for non-stop Spider-Man 3 so that just came out this week nice yeah,
0: well, the other part is, and I suffer from that, you start running out of room <laughs> after a while.
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, it's funny uh, when anyone would come over here and um, as like when you spoke to my partner, Sam, recently, he'd say, oh my God, John has so much stuff. He has stacks and stacks and stacks. I kind of, you know, my wife will tell you I have a lot of stuff. I don't think it's that much compared to other uh, guys. Yeah. I've been at their places where I was like, even if if I say, dude, okay, it, maybe that's too much. Then it's way too much because I've been over some people's houses and it is beyond crazy how much stuff they had. And I, I'm pretty good about consolidating everything. The only thing that takes up a lot, a lot, a lot of space is I have a ridiculous amount of the Bow and Marvel bus, the little statues. Uh, yeah. And that's the only thing I had been contemplating back and forth and back and forth about possibly just selling because i have a ton of them yeah and um, they're they're great i love that old classic look i'm a, you know i'm a huge old comic look fan, you know whatever you want to call it i love that like it's just a clean classic looking those statues but i got a lot of them so how's it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah statue yeah when you start talking
0: about that the, the other paraphernalia yeah yes it really it really adds up in, in a hurry um but again, I mean, this is a lifelong love for you, right? I mean, this, it's not like yep. once you started working in the industry, that's when you started going in on Wednesdays. Like you've been,
1: no, I like mean, right? Yeah. So I grew up in Detroit. Actually, I grew up in Eight Mile in East Detroit. So um, there was Michigan in general just had a lot, a lot, a lot of great, just good comic shops. They had a ton of them when I was a little kid. And I don't know, right when I was around four, I, I got my first comic, and I believe it was Amazing Spider-Man 151. You know, where he's got that classic cover, where he's you know in the sewer, he's fighting the shocker, and he's like, oh, "What if I gonna get out here alive?" And yeah, um, yeah, just just kept getting stuff, and my my, my folks are great about it. You know, just they were you know, and comics were so cheap back then. You yeah. know, because you could just go, and there was a lot of flea markets by us, and you could go there and get. 10 comics or 20 comics for a dollar you know or whatever and or they used to have an old school thing i don't know if you've seen this or other p- other people listen have seen it you'd go to like a, a comic shop or a flea market and they'd have one of those um scales like you would weigh like a pound of meat right and you just you'd put a stack of comics on there and whatever it weighed to you paid a dollar like a dollar for or something like that well wow, you know? no yeah i have was, heard I, yeah
0: i have heard of comics by the pound i've never yeah. actually seen
1: it but that's, and, that's cool we, yeah, I just, I, we were going all the time, and, you know, there's a couple, there was like, there was a really great comic shop on Seven Mile in Gratiot called Comics Kingdom, and it was right kind of by, my grandparents lived right over there, so we'd go see them all the time, my dad would take me there, and, you know, and then we moved, after I finished first grade, we moved over to 15 Mile, over by Mount Clemens, I think around, they were named it around the time, and I started going to a shop called Comics Corner, which was over in Fraser, and... Pretty much since then I was going every week, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't far, but it wasn't like super close. So, you know, my, I'd have to wait for my dad to get home on Friday from work and drive me over there and, you know, get stuff. And, um, you know, and back then comics were not expensive. And the thing that helped, and I had found this out much, much later, apparently Michigan was the very first state. And this is what I was told. I don't know if it's a hundred percent accurate. They were the very first state to offer A club discount for new books Mm. so you know you would get your 25% off and 25% off a comic back then like in 1980 you'd save a ton of money so you could buy a crap load of stuff I mean I was buying I think I was getting almost everything except for Superman Wonder Woman Aquaman and Conan I think I was getting basically everything else and then the black and white boom hit and forget it, we were getting everything. It was too much stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's really when things started
0: taking off. Now, do you still, I, you probably have a bunch of books from, from back then, but- I have um, them all. Well, but you have some really great keys that are from even earlier than that, right? Yes. So at what point did you start saying, well, I've got you know all this great stuff from whatever, late 70s, early 80s up. When did you start thinking, okay, I, I need to go back and, and fill in and start getting some of those keys that, that now, especially, you know, as you know, in the last since the pandemic hit, yep. back issue prices have yep. gone crazy? Um,
1: um, I think around the mid 80s, maybe 86 or 7 or something like that. Um, you know, I was overstreet the Overstreet Price Guide, they used to put out this um, filler in between the big phone book size one they put out that little newsprint one that was like 295 or 395 and it was like a a bridge version so i would get that because i didn't want to spend all the money on getting a thick one and i'd go in there and i just look through every page mark off all the key issues i'd mark off every neil adams art interior artwork um you know any uh I think like all the Steranko stuff because I was like massively in the Steranko back then in the autumn. So I would go through and I'd hit like, and I would see like, okay, this one says it's scarce or, you know, this one was rare or this was a first appearance of this or, or that. So I just go through that. And back then, you know, everybody was more concerned about like showcase four from, from what I remember. Cause I started going to uh, comic cons in seventh grade and um, they, back then they were like local monthly things where they'd right. be at the VFW hall or the American Legion hall. And um, um, I still know that the one main guy, Mike Lester, who owns a comic shop called Time Travelers over in Livonia. I think it's the Livonia. Ugh, I, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've been there, but he has a great store called Time Travelers and he's owned that convention. And then I believe he sold it to, um, mike george yeah who runs the motor city comic on his family right. runs all that so i've been going to that um no it wasn't mike george um i'm freaking I'm, i'll remember it later but they had a monthly show every, and my mom would drive me and my friends there drop us off and you know we go do look at you know i check out stuff and get buying books and i met my first artist who i believe was the guy drawing dead world for arrow comics at zombie comic i think it was vince was it vince Locke? i'm not sure think and then i and guy davis was there so he must have been a loco a a local uh, artist and that was the other a great thing about michigan there was so much comic talent and artists that came out of the state like it was very neat that there was all there's a ton of guys who are pros working at comics came out of michigan so i was just you know i was going and picking up books and getting this but back then everyone was more concerned about like the real super duper keys like a showcase four or you right. know, that kind of stuff or you know trying to buy all the old golden age detectives or stuff like that so you
0: started filling in on just kind of the classic because you seem like your your collection is much more marvel although you do have some some good dc stuff i think I, you- I have
1: a lot of dc stuff i just don't think i've post you know and it was crazy enough today i just posted before we started speaking i posted my extremely two high grade copies of Swamp Thing one and two. So check them out later. Like they're beyond crisp and Aaron Lopresti will hate me because he loves those books and are like pristine condition. So uh, did you know
0: right away when you were a kid, you started collecting these, obviously you loved them. Um, did you know, did, did you understand the collectability of them and you made sure mm-hmm. to take like really good care of them?
1: Yeah. Yes. That was the crazy weird thing is that my grandpa, um, my dad was a had the collecting bug as well. It was just in different areas. Like when he was a kid in the '50s, he was very much in the collecting coins, and he's got a great collection. And he's uh, he's in the military, and he was very much in the collecting uh, military patches. So he had that whole bug for all that stuff. And my grandfather, um, when I was just when I was little, like five and seven, he would just drill into me. I don't know why he did this, but I had to look for the 10 centers. You look for those 10 centers, you get those 10 center cover price books. And then I just was, just kept looking for those. And weirdly enough, I didn't have comic bags back then until I think I started actually going to a real comic shop after we moved. And my grandpa would get me those um, produce bags. Like you'd get from the grocery, you put your bananas in. Yeah. And we'd have those, we'd have books of those. <laughs> so I was very... And I will say the two silly things that really taught me these weird future life lessons from comics was I started reading very early, very early age because I wanted to read them, and since I knew I should be keeping them in good shape, I was very meticulous about making sure all my things were very well taken care of, whether it was my clothes, um, anything. So it, it weirdly it just those things are very ingrained with me, and if you hung out with me or been at my place i have stuff i've had forever that i've just taken care of like i just pulled out i did an interview with this this star wars podcast guy that was very cool and i just remembered i had those old do you remember when the first movie came out and they had wonder bread had those trading cards in the bread packs yep yep and i was like oh yeah i still have those and they're in amazing shape i still have the whole set (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic
0: Uh, so from this early love of, um, of collecting comics, of reading them, um, and, and, you know, you've got this beautiful collection now as sort of a a testament to your lifelong love of comics and, and the care of them. Cause you know, then, and and we'll talk about this in a little bit, the whole, you know, getting them graded thing, which came later. Um, but at what point did you start thinking, okay, I want to make this my, my career, right? I want to get into creating comics.
1: Um, I right around probably I think it was seventh or eighth grade when we you know you you finished sixth grade and then where we were in you know just outside Detroit middle school was seventh and eighth grade right before you go to high school so when I started middle school in seventh grade um, this new kid moved you know moved in the area and he joined our class and uh, my friend Phil and he was really good artist for our age. I was he was really good, and I, I was like, hey, you know, I started giving him ideas for pictures, and then I started, you know, um, writing little stories to have him draw. And originally, my thought or my plan was going to be I was going to open up my own comic shop after I graduated high school, but somehow that just faded away and I started writing these little short stories and scripts for my friend the drawing we were doing that for a couple years and after like there was one story I don't remember what it was but you know you know and you know how I'm, I get this writers you know they like oh and this needs to be changed or this is different you know I kept giving him notes and one, one day he was not in the mood and he just said forget it I'm doing. you just you draw this crap and then he just that was it and I was like okay uh I guess I'll just do that. And I just started trying to draw and trying to draw. So that was around I guess it was the end of 10th grade or middle, you know right between 10th and 11th grade. Right. So I decided, all right, I guess I'm doing this. People do this, so why can't I do it? And I you know, I had my mom drive me back up to the school and um, I changed the course so I started taking the art class in high school. Which, you know, was really nothing, but whatever. So, um, it just kept doing that. And I was just practicing, practicing, practicing at home. And, um, you know, I, they had a commercial art class as a, you, like in 12th grade, you could go to the community. It was a different building. They drove, like they bust you to where they had, like, if you wanted to learn like mechanic, like auto mechanics and all this of stuff, I think it was called the career center. I don't know. Right. It's still there. I, I drove I've driven by what I've got home before. So I went there. And I met my other very good friend, who I still talk to all the time this day. My friend Scott, and he was incredibly good. I was blown away about how well he was. He was super in the comments like me. He was way into all the the new hot guys like Art Adams and everything. He was shockingly really good, and it was super duper annoying that he was a year younger than me. So we were you know we were come up with ideas for this and this and this, and then we decided. You know, Hey, we're really going to do comics. Let's go to the Joe Kubert School of Artwork. This is the only place we knew of at the time. And there was no internet back then. So I wasn't going to sit there and just type up and find out where right. to go and all yeah. this other stuff. So um, I waited a year because he was a year behind me. So I had to wait for him to graduate. So that following year, I just worked my butt off and saved up a t- all the dough so we can go. And obviously, he got accepted. I was very concerned I would not get accepted at school because my portfolio was so bad but I got in so we both went and the first year was great you know they I didn't know anything literally anything about drawing so the first year is absolutely perfect because they teach you the very basics of what artwork is what what art is and then they transitioned. This is how comics are done comics in comics. And so it was perfect. Cause I, and I, I'm going to sound like a complete dummy. Cause I'm repeating myself. I literally didn't know anything except that Spider-Man had webs in his costumes. Batman and Daredevil had that black shape right here on their, their head, which I stupidly asked why that was a thing. And luckily, um, our, one of our head teachers, um, uh, Sean, Sean Chen, yes, and it's not the same Sean Chen that is the Marvel artist. It's a completely different guy. But just remember, I'd ask him these just dumb questions, and he's just like, Ugh, "John, uh, uh. he's just shit." So, um, but it was a great first year because they really, I, I absorbed just the basic, basic of stuff. So, um, and it was even more ten times frustrating because my friend Scott that came with me. He was one of the best guys in our class. And I'd be sitting there thievishly trying to do the homework assignments at night, just staying up on oh, it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out anything. And he'd just be sitting there eating a pizza. And then the next morning, we'd get there a little early. He'd walk across the street to the diner, have this huge breakfast, come back over, draw his whole homework assignment in about five or 10 minutes. And it was absolutely great. And it was beyond frustrating that he would do this. It was just infuriating
0: so so at what point did you think well i think i'm going to go
1: into to inking that that's the the place for- um that was more of a decision in the second year of going at school where um i was inking scott's pencils my friend's pencil so he would pencil stuff i was inking it and trying to figure out all that stuff and at that time of course was the jim lee scott williams wills protachio Explosion of awesomeness. So, right. you know, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, ah, this is, you know, this is it. This is what everything should be. And we're just, you know, pouring over that and buying multiple copies of the comics and cutting out what panels and just trying to figure out, like, all right, why would Scott do this and this and this and this? And why is this inking like this? And, um, you know, I was doing it and doing it, doing it. And it was just weird. At the time, they really had no inking course like we had each week the five days a week you had two different classes each day one in the morning one at night so you had 10 classes each week none of them were for inking it made no sense because if it's the only other main component besides penciling for you do a comic page so i was like why isn't this happening i go to the main office again i'm bothering sean He's like i don't know we'll have an assignment and i was like that's not gonna be overly helpful so we had I decided halfway through the second year I'm just, I'm just not a school guy I never have been I've I've had better results on me personally just diving right in just doing it and I learned by experience or learn from failure or mistakes and I just I just keep doing keep going and so I was like you know what I'm just gonna drop out you know and it was it was a weird time at that time because that was during my second year that was the 92 93 image had just started calling for comics was going in a completely different way compared to what we were doing at school everything was about on the cusp of jumping the next level so in the school is amazing it's just at that time we still had a handful of very old techniques we were doing and I don't know if I had the foresight or the stupidness of I think I need to drop out and I need to practice on my own and I can just figure out the rest. I don't know. So I did, uh, myself and Scott and our two other roommates, we all made this agreement that we we're all going to drop out that week. And I was the only one that did it. So <laughs> I left. and, um, you know, I just, I stayed up at, I stayed up in the air cause the school was in New Jersey and, um, I was like, you know, I got half my tuition back, which was great. So all I did every day was just, I was like, look, I'm improving on inking much more than my incredibly bad penciling. My penciling was so astoundingly bad. And I was so slow at trying to figure out proportions in this. And on top of it being overly frustrating that the next, the table next to me was Scott and he's whipping out these amazing pieces for us being so young. It was just beating me to submission. And I was like, all right. I'm getting better at inking. I'm gonna focus 100 percent on this, and that's all I did. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, uh,
0: probably a good a good decision, you know, based on the the, the career you've had.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe maybe the only deterrent that I if I was gonna go back in time and I know everyone says like oh if I could do this like that the littlest littlest thing I would have changed is that I started so late drawing. If if I would have drawn started drawing like pretty much every other guy or gal that does comic books, like, oh, I've been drawing since I was in the womb or I've been drawing since I was four. If I would have had that start that young, I probably would have been w- started working professionally the day after I graduated high school. Right. And, like, that's the Joe Madrera story. Like, Marvel was waiting for him to graduate high school so he yeah. could just work the day after. So I possibly, and I think... If I remember correctly, Joe Rubenstein kind of was the same way when he started inking. I think he started like inking professionally at 17 or something. Like he was like, boom, he just started going, and then he like didn't stop for like the next 50 years or whatever. But um, that would be the only little thing because so after I dropped out, I taught myself, and then I actually got my first professional gig the following summer. So I got that, and you know, I just I just kept going. Yeah, Jimmy Palmiotti has
0: a similar story too, where yes. he started, you know, when he's still in high school, ghosting yep. and whatnot. Uh and it's so it's so different now, too, right? Like you talk about that era, the early 90s, computerized coloring, and mm-hmm. now we're to the point where a lot of artists work digitally, you yes. know, or they're they're working, you know, on, on a Cintiq or an iPad or or whatnot. Yeah. And that's technically their pencils, and then it goes directly to colors and it's not even inked in a traditional way um yeah
1: so i think you still work traditionally yep and I, I don't even i don't even know how to ink digitally i i have no idea how to do it
0: well so i am curious because you know you i think you're one of the technically best inkers and one of the, <laughs> well, let's just one not get everyone upset i don't know if let's <laughs> let's um, well, what, let, what let's... i mean what what i mean by that is, <laughs> is that you your style is very versatile you know, and you know how to how to switch it up. What when it, things need heavy blacks, a lot of texture is real gritty, or something needs to be super clean. Um, and I, I just I mean, I'm not an artist. I have been reading comics a long time, and with the changes in the way the art is done now, even I am able to tell. You know, and you can go and look at the credits. You know, it'll, they'll have an artist listed and then a color artist, and there's mm-hmm. no there's no inker. It's not you know designated. Hey, this was the pencil. This was the inker. There are a lot of guys and, you know, they tend to be the older guys. Their art with their, their line work with inks over the top of it is just better. So how do you feel about the way the state of it, things are right now and not to bad mouth, anything, and this is just the way of the world. and, And we know comics are much more expensive now and thank God the artists are paid more so I can understand a publisher, you know, Hey, if you can go directly from digital pencils to color. I understand it, but it's not always in service and it doesn't always produce the best end
1: product. Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously I'm I'm an old I like the old school way that's just you know I, I, and I like having, as you know, as you said, I, I, I like having my collection of original artwork that I've purchased, but I also like having my boards. but yeah, there's there's a handful of guys or you know a, a lot of guys that are doing the all digital. That are very, very good. But it it is a time saving method. You know, drawing pages is a lot of work and it's very time consuming. So, you know, there's stuff they can do. And there's there's a handful of guys that are very good. And like, you know, Mitch Geertis, I believe I'm saying his Geertes. name right. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good. Um, oh, I'm gonna blame there's a lot. I'm sorry, everyone, I can't remember a name. It's uh I, I I've only had uh, four sips of coffee so far. So um but yeah, it's a little, you know, some stuff is 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 really nice, and some stuff, you know, there people are trying to get the hang of it now. It's much better compared to ten years ago when people are do- drawing uh, digitally. But you know, technology changes, and you know, people adapt, and they're getting better tools and stuff, and art like the the artists are figuring out how to implement them and make it. You know, everybody wants to do the best page, and yeah, I mean, the digital stuff. Some guys I really like, but, you know, if I'm, I'm more drawn to, like you said, like, if I can, you know, I'm know like, that's a pencil and thing. But there's also, on the other hand, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of pencils that are inking their own stuff. So, you'll just see it, it just says artist and then colorist. Right. So, um, and it's just one of the things I've generally been told by editors that we have to make sure the pencil is happy. We have to make sure the pencil is happy. So if him inking himself is what's going to make him happy, they're just going to go along with it. They're really not going to. I've even had one editor tell me this a little while ago. I got brought on the this book and he had the hope that um i could stay on because he did not want the pencil to ink his own stuff because he would he was not thrilled about it but he he kind of had almost no choice right It's like look i i i am I'm, I'm sorry i'm bringing you on in this way but it I, I can't do anything about it and i was like that's cool man whatever you know i didn't i was like whatever just you know i'm, I'm not gonna you know get upset about it but i'll, I'll do it for all but Yeah. just, you know, some guys, and also the other alluring thing is that you're getting a whole nother paycheck. So if you're just going to go from, you know, laying out in pencil and then inking it yourself, you're getting double the paycheck, double the royalties, and you get to keep all the artwork and all that stuff. So it's generally as, as crass as it sounds, money is still the most important thing. So you gotta, you know, everyone will say, I gotta make that money. I gotta make that money. So um yeah I mean Alex Malieve I think that was the other guy when he was doing Daredevil I believe that was all digital when he was doing Bendis and that stuff looked great and I know from the collector side many many people are super angry that there was no pages to buy
0: (laughs) yeah it happens a lot it happens more and more uh Nowadays. And, and one of the things that we'll talk about this when we talk about original art is, is guys that were, they'll do a, like a one-of-one print on demand of their <laughs> yeah, stuff, which I st- I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, I'm not going to pay the same that I would for, you know, yes there, there are websites you can go to where, you know, yeah. basically, you know, you, you're the first one to buy it and they'll, you know, print. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, a,
1: a print out of their
0: digital work, and and you And there, I, I
1: them. understand, I understand the theory and the, um, I don't know whatever word would go next, but I, I understand the reasoning behind it. But it's just not my thing, you know. i like I said, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy a page and I'm gonna sink some money or some serious money into it, you know, I want to make sure that it, it's something that could possibly, if I want to in the future, or if I need to, if you, if you really need to sell it, you want to make sure it's actually going to be something desirable.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, going back to the inking thing, and then we'll talk yep. more about original artwork. Um, so I talked to um, Jonathan Glapian uh, every, yeah. every once in a while, who's, who's a phenomenal inker. And he sort of talks about it being a sort of a dying art. You know, and it probably for a lot of the reasons that we're, we're talking about, people either go, you know, directly from their digital pencils to color or they're inking themselves mm-hmm. or there's this there. I mean, more so than any sort of part of the creative process for a comic. People understand, like, OK, I'm the writer. People know what that yeah. means. I'm the penciler. You know, yeah. I drew it. They understand that the, I'm the color artist. OK, you you colored it, basically. You know, we all know what that is. Crayons yeah. or crayons. You know, color pencil back in the day. We say inker, you know, so many people are like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So you, you trace over the pencils. Yeah. And, you know, that's a huge thing for Jonathan. So many people think, oh, so you, you're you a tracer. Yeah. It's so much more than that. There's such a, a misconception of what an inker is. And I think for a lot of the, the reasons that we're talking about, whether it's a pencil or inking themselves, whether they're, you know, they were trying to make more cash, if it's for speed of production, if it's yep. save the publisher money, for whatever reason there are many, much fewer inkers, the number of inkers, you know, and good inkers, especially um, yeah. is, is so much smaller now. Um, so is, is there anything about like the misconceptions? Is there anything that you would want people that you wish people knew about inking? Um, you know, what's your general feel about, you know, what, what Jonathan's points
1: are? Um, I, I did have one little thing to add from the beginning of what you're talking about. We're like, Oh, well, Nobody knows what this, you know, part of the job is. My wife and I were at this party years and years and years and years ago. And it was, um, I think it was mostly a lot of her friends or, you know, I think we had just started dating at the time and she introduced me and she told me, like, Oh, you know, he's the comic book artist. He draws us things. And one guy actually said to me, he's like, somebody draws that stuff. I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought it just, it just got printed. And I looked and I go, I go, do you really think we're so far advanced that they just made a machine that instantly creates a new story every time? Like we're at that level of th- like free thinking computers. And he just like, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. Why would anyone draw? I was like, I guess right. <laughs> So um, yeah, with the inking now, um, yeah, it's. It, it, it's just hard. There's not, you know, there's new, obviously there's new guys all the time and um, the companies like that because they can get them for much cheaper. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, dying art, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan's kind of right. It is, you know, and it, it's hard to find guys who are very good and generally, and with the tracing thing, like you said, you know, there are, books or pages where you just basically kind of have to do that because either it's a ridiculous deadline or you get a lot of the pencils who they're so they pencil so tight and they do not want you to stray one molecule away of what they have put down right or they will get upset and throw a fit and possibly just kick you off the book so it it depends. And a lot of the pencils now, or, you know, they had been for a while, were penciling like overly, overly, overly tight. So if I would get a, a you know, pages like that, it's much easier because you, and this is going to sound dumb. You don't have to put really a ton of thought into it. You just do a nice, clean, precise, slick job and you get it done. But I like getting the stuff where I can get some grit going and I like my textures. And if I can juice it up some stuff here and there you know I would that that's what I dig. and Jonathan does the same thing you know Jonathan's throwing in a bunch of different pens and quills and he's doing those textures over Capula and a few other guys he you know he'll randomly work over but you know that's the stuff that's exciting you know I like seeing the stuff I like seeing when I'm picking up a book for inks if there's some form of line or technique or whatever that I just cannot pull off that's the stuff I enjoy getting. If it's the same stuff over and over again, it's it, that's fine. You know, I, I still like that too. But if there's like a couple of things are make, like, man, I, I have tried and tried and tried and I, I can't do it. I don't know what, you know, I can do a lot of my own stuff and I have my way of doing things that maybe other guys couldn't do or they're not interested in doing, but it's just, there's a, I was like, man, I don't know what is wrong with me. I'm trying. I was like, God, I'll get all bent out of shape about it. But um, yeah, and even like, I love, I wish, I've actually lost out on a few jobs where I was not considered. Um, uh, messy is not the right word because my stuff is overly clean and precise and as slick as it can be. But I wish I could do that looser willy-nilly just scratchy stuff and and me saying messy is not a negative term like when I was a kid Bill just was just starting and he was starting to become Bill Sienkiewicz and he was very the very uh abstracty scratchy splattery you know stuff everywhere when he started doing new mutants and other books when I was a real little kid I I didn't like it it was not it was not superhero to me, it was not Ross Andrew, it was not John Byrne and John Ramita Sr. or Jr. And that was my comic books, and that's what I liked. And I did not understand it one bit. Even the Electra Assassin book, I bought it because I loved Frank Miller. I just I, I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. I didn't like it. But now, you know, later on, as you grow up and you understand how art can be, now you know, he's my favorite, one of my favorite guys. And I know what an absolute genius he is, you know, and how mind bogglingly impossible it is to create some of that stuff he's doing. Like, I couldn't even fathom how he figured out like, all right, man, I I just threw that out there. And I guarantee he did it so fast. It's just scary.
0: Yeah. I kind of felt the same way. um, Cause I just didn't get it. And then I think where it finally clicked for me that he was doing something unique that, Really popped. Do you remember mm-hmm. that what if story? Uh, it's called What If the Hulk Went Berserk and mm-hmm. he did the cover on it. And yep, part of his brain is like exploding out with the green. And I that was uh, yep. like that was the first in uh piece that I saw where I went, Okay, I get it. He's doing something, yep. he's it's about emotion. Yep. it's not necessary, it, it doesn't need to be like realistic proportions or whatever. It's about emotion that he evokes. Kind of, it's I've all about. That. I read that till the cover fell off too it's
1: such a cool book yeah i i would say like if i was going to describe bill it's more like he's just that explosive impulsive energy that you yeah. know just thrown into every panel and it's so sporadically different here and there you know you, you don't know if you're going to get just you know him using a quill or uh, a collage of images that he's cut up or paint or anything but even like, I'm a massive, massive fan of The Shadow. He's one of my top five favorite characters. I love him. And when The Shadow book started after the, Kev- the, the Howard Shakin miniseries, Kevin was doing the covers and the interiors. And I so desperately wanted to like it because, you know, The Shadow is my, one of my favorite characters. And I really tried and tried and tried. And I even bought that. He had a portfolio of the covers. I bought that too. And I was like, I don't know. But now again, you know, I can go back and I could read those every day because the artwork is so gorgeous and everything, but yeah, it was hard. There was one other guy. Oh man. there's one other artist back then whose stuff was so weird to me as a little kid. Now I love it. And I'm blanking on what his name is. Oh, I'll remember it. I'll remember it later. Well,
0: one other thing I wanted to touch on that you were talking about in terms of, you know, when you work on certain guys' stuff, their pencils or stuff. and I've heard that from a lot of guys, you know, yeah. Compared to back back in the day when some guys would do, you know, two books, a, draw two books a month. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it, it it was you know breakdowns or layouts and then you know finishes. You know, yep. and, and the inker was asked to do a, a lot more, um, as opposed to, to now. Um, but that the case can be made, and and you'll see this sometimes where you know you, you we're talking about Jonathan and how often he works with with Greg Capullo. Mm-hmm. As that relationship develops, and I'm you know, you've probably had this with pencils you've worked with too, the pencils can loosen up, right? Once the pencil oh, yeah. and they'll they'll start to develop a, a sense of trust and they'll know. Yep. And then as oh, an yeah. anchor, as an eaker, you you start to understand what their intentions are
1: and what they would want you to do for in a certain yep. panel, right? Yeah, as as long yeah, because that's a thing. And it's also a time save, because the two guys I work with I've worked with the most in my career were uh, Pat Olive and Howard Porter. And they're both vastly different penciling styles. But yeah, as you get if, as you get that familiarity with each other and you get that trust, it's a time saving factor on the pencil side so they know they don't have to render this so tight they can leave this out or you can just write on their um, rock texture. you know, I've had that they literally just write on the shape what it is or you know anything and um, it, it's a time saving thing, or even like, you know, there's some guys who are very, pencils are very meticulous about filling in every black shape. And I would tell him, like, he's like, oh, it's taking me so long. And I was like, just don't do it. I know what, you know, when you accident, I know what that is. I was like, I'm just going to do it anyway. So, yeah, once in, yeah, Jonathan's right. So, whenever, you know, if you're with a guy for a long time, it's just, it's, you know, you you just know what to do. And it's a good time saving method. And it's, it's mostly just all about trust because, you know, the last thing you want to do, is muck up the, the the penciling with you know you did something wrong with the inking or you did something they're not gonna like or you think you know better and you're just gonna do this and this and this and this and then the pencil will call you or call the editor and you know you're, you're just getting your you know yelled at so yeah or they kick you off the book which is you know the worst thing so yeah
0: and, and there's a couple of guys where, where you, you can't think of one without the other right like I, I yeah. for me Brett Booth stuff looks best when Norm is inking it uh, we can think about um, Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, obviously yep. Burn and Terry Austin. I mean, there are some real uh, collaborative uh, oh, yeah. you know, art art teams that you you, you know you just you, you don't want to see. Not not that it's bad to see somebody else ink them once in a while, but you know, there's you're so-
1: f- you're too you're too and um, familiar and invested in that look, right? Exactly. exactly. I think the longest team, and correct me if I'm wrong, the longest. Pencil anchor team was was it Ross Andrew and uh, Mike s es- Espedito? Yeah, I think you might be right. I think they were because they and the other story I read, they didn't really get along too well, but they worked <laughs> together for what like twenty five years straight yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I mean,
0: I, you can know, go back to our point earlier about some some guys, their stuff just looks better. And we can look at and uh, we talked about this on our DC Spotlight episodes that we do when we when the first issue of uh, of dark detective came out tom taylor's book that uh yep. andy kubert's drawing yep um and he there was no inker credited on the
1: first issue no he in, yeah he well Andy, the the kubert's can do everything so right. yeah he inked those first andy inked the first two issues himself and like you were probably gonna say yeah. sandra yeah, sandra, sandra came, came out on, on and
0: i just thought it looked it, it the energy was just mm-hmm. so much better not, not that it looked bad yeah. i didn't even realize that his look you know his his Art could look even better, but yeah, that's the the thing that, I mean, and Sandra's amazing. So yeah,
1: she's, she's definitely one of the best. And um, I love Andy's stuff. I, I actually got, when I went to the Kubert school, I would just leave class and you know, they had an amazing, which I think they still have, but they have an amazing art store in the basement that was open to the public as well. And it was the, the, the perfect store for comic artists. They had every old school type of tool and art book and paper and they got everything. And and Andy and Adam had their offices down in, in that basement. And I just wanted to walked down there and go talk to them and say hi and stuff. But um, they're both great guys. And I got to ink a chunk of Adam on an issue of X-Men number 83. And uh, it was great. I did basically almost the whole issue and uh, it was very cool to do. And I found out much, It that was my tryout to possibly be his regular anchor. And then, you know, I I didn't get it. And then I found out, like, I I saw him two years later at a convention. And they had sent him, like, back in the day, they sent him Xeroxes. So they sent him, like, fifth-generation Xeroxes of the page. So they looked too grainy and and really not good. So I didn't get the gig because of that. But when I saw him, he's like, oh, yeah, man, you know, I got those pages back in Art Return. They looked really good. (laughs) And I was like... Great. So that's why I didn't get the gig. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I just got to brush it off. So, but I have yet to ink anything over Andy, which he's probably in my top five of wanting to do at least a piece. Like I, I'd even go so far as like, I would now probably just give him some cash and draw me a, a commission that I can ink, you know, but he's, they're the nicest guys. Like, you know, that they're for as overly talented in their, you know, just Cubert DNA with that whole family and artists and, you know, as popular as they are, they're, they're, they're incredibly nice guys.
0: Yeah. Now they're, I don't know whose daughter, but Emma, I don't know if it's Andy's daughter. It's uh, Andy. I believe it's Andy's daughter. Yeah. She's even has a book now third generation, Mm -hmm. which I got to think Joe's looking down
1: smiling, you know, like that's just so cool. And I've gotten, I I did get to talk to Joe a good amount of time when I was at the school because Joe every Wednesday was when Joe taught his class and he would, only show up on Wednesdays, so usually you know he'd make his rounds around the school, and he'd go into class and walk around and stuff. And you know I got to talk to him, and he was just a nice, hes a very nice guy.
0: Yeah, he's one of the guys I wish I'd—I I started going to shows sooner so I could have could have met. There's a few, uh, but but you mentioned um, Andy being on your list. Who who else is on your list of guys that you still would love to uh,
1: to work with? Um, uh, it probably would be a lot of guys from you know being a kid and loving some of those guys. And I've been fortunate to work over a few. Like I loved Ron friends when I was a kid. I loved, absolutely loved uncle Ron when he was drawn Spidey, that was it. It was the, the best. And I got to ink a few issues over him on spider girl. Cause you know, I was already inking Pat Olaf and I had become very good friends with Pat and Pat and Ron shared a studio for many, many, many years. And so I got to do a couple of filling issues at Ron penciled and it was, so awesome and ron's ron's just i just call him uncle ron because he's like that old he's like that uncle you get who just wants to bust your chops non-stop and is just teasing you the whole time and um he really just would <laughs> constantly lay into me but it, i could i loved it it was so it, his stuff is so fun and i just it just his books when i was a kid were the best so it's probably you know he already so i got that off the list um rick Leonardi who I loved when I was a kid as well. I got to ink an issue with Spidey 2099 over him, which was awesome. You know, I did the whole thing and I had heard there was this long, long, long running um, story or whatever through comics that he does not like any inking except Al Williamson. That is it. So I inked that book and man, I really, really put some effort into it. I was like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to make this look great. Blah, 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 blah. So I did it. I did the whole issue. I asked the editor. I was like, hey, could you just please ask what what he thinks? I mean, if he doesn't like it, it's fine. I'm okay. I'm a big boy. I can take criticism better than anybody. And I never heard anything. I asked the editor like five times. So I, Rick was at a con, the Long Beach show here about two years two three years ago and I w- I drove up there um because I was specifically going there to talk to Kevin Nolan because Kevin Nolan's gonna do a cover for my Slow City Blues comics so I went and talked to Kevin we talked like 40 minutes and then I was like All right, I'm gonna go talk to Rick before I leave and Rick had some people at his table so I'm just flipping through his stack of pages and he had I had the blue line his book so he had the pencil pages from that issue so I pulled them out and um there's a break in the conversation he's having with those people, and he just kind of like looks over my direction. I was like, I go, Hey, do you remember this issue? He's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. I go, What'd you think of the inks on it? You know, because I was trying to get a genuine opinion. He's like, I don't know, man. You know, I, th- I thought they were really good. I was like, I was like, Oh, thank God. And he's like, Why? is like, Because it was me. I inked it. He's like, You did? I was like, Yeah, it's like, I loved it. It was so good. I was like, I was so relieved. I was like, oh, thank was, like, was Like, so it was nice. I got to, I talked to him for like ten or fifteen more minutes. So he was very nice. And um, I used to really like Ron Lim when I was a little kid. You know, when he's doing Captain America and Silver Surfer at the same time, and I loved those two issues where Cap was fighting Daredevil when Cap was all on drugs or whatever yeah, he was doing. Yeah. And um, I got to do a bunch of stuff over him, which was awesome. I did like like a, a, eight covers over him and some short Venom story. Um, the only other two old guys old school guys that I really really loved when I was a kid that I really would love to do something over are uh Cary Gamble and um Jackson Guys. I loved Jackson Geis when I was a kid I love that stuff and I've got I own like 11 pages of his Iron Man book I love that stuff when he was doing S.H.I.E.L.D. and um oh, there was a Kid Flash Teen Titans spotlight issue he did that I absolutely loved I probably read that thing like 20 times um I, i'm blanking on a couple of the other things but i remember just yeah I, I really liked his stuff i mean it was so just it, it wasn't I, I was gonna say it's it was a very realistic style at the time but it was that mixed it was a good blend of comics and realism where like it it still a, it was so cool so
0: yeah He well he did um when the, they relaunched flash in 87
1: yeah, yeah 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 yep yep yeah. yeah, I actually have I got I got issue one right behind me next to my file.
0: <laughs> yeah, his his stuff's fantastic. Um, well, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, John, uh, and and we're gonna have to. No, have man, I'm I'm fine. Whatever you want to do, I'm fine. Well, we're gonna have to have you back on to talk uh, original art. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be great. So my thought is, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna transition now into talking. <laughs> we, we promised we would tease this new project that's coming up. All the details okay. are coming on Monday's show. Um, with John and a couple of his collaborators so he's gonna tell us a little bit about it now and then uh, you know probably have you back on um, once everything is sort of settled for this first campaign uh, that we learned about in the, uh,
1: the Hollywood Reporter article yes more uh, original which article. was a very nice surprise we didn't know we were going to get that lead story on that like we, we just I was at the gym and Sam my partner in the book was calling me and calling me and calling me. And I was like, man, I got, you know, I was like, I'll just call him. I'm done. And then my wife texted me. He's like, you better call him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. It's fantastic. So slow city
0: blues, you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, coming on a new sort of uh, uh, crowdfunding platform. Zoop again, all the details are going to come next week, but uh, why don't you just give everybody a quick uh, elevator pitch? Um, you know, what's the story about, and where can they go on Monday to find out all the details when everything drops? It,
1: it is the, the the real quick pitch. It's a, a detective gets trapped inside his own a, an imagination after a botched suicide attempt from um, a horrible on-the-job thing that happens to him. And he's just stuck in an endless minute inside his head. And, you know, he is the omnipotent force who is 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 just trying to to figure out what is going on i'm probably not giving you the best pitch because i've been so focused on doing the artwork but um you can you can get it it is a brand new third crowdfunding platform which is going to be very very friendly for the consumer and for comic professionals like like myself who want to do a crowdfunding thing but as everybody knows it's a colossal amount of work to run and manage and finish uh doing a crowdfunding thing it's ridiculous so you can go to um wearezoop.com and you can check out our book there it's five issues they're all done everything's done you can get we're doing a season one drop you can get all five issues now and they they're all you can that the, it, it's much easier to use than say, like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, where it's almost Amazon Prime easy. You can go, you have your little shopping cart, and you can click on whatever you want, flip your cart. If you, we have an insanely crazy lineup of cover artists for the book. I mean, and I will, the one thing I'll do, I will brag about this, I won't brag about anything else. Nobody will be able, I defy anybody to top me. For me, me being a little inker, and getting these guys to do these covers, I am not some A-list mega star penciler or overly hot writer. I pulled this off and got these guys to do it. It was some sort of miracle that it even got done. So we've got the best cover artists there are and the hottest cover artists there are. So go and check everything out. If there's a Dave Finch, the Dave Finch cover you're digging, it's amazing. If you wanna one to read or even you know one to flip, if you want one for your personal collection and I encourage flipping, I don't do it myself because I'm very lazy, but I know flipping is a super common thing in comics. So get—we have a few very rare variants. You know, they're only, we have—we're gonna have a great early bird 48-hour special, and a few of the items will only be available for those two days. Which one of them will be? One of the variants for the Finch cover. So get it, flip it. There's not gonna be a, everything's done, so there'll be no waiting. You know, oh, I gotta finish the book. It might take another year. I don't know. I had delays. I can't. So the book might isn't gonna be two years or three years late. Everything's done. So once, once the campaign is done, we'll go to the printer. You'll get your books. A little bit after that, I don't know how long printing takes. So. But Zoop is a is a very cool new thing. So um, it's gonna be very. Uh, game changing. I don't know if people throw that word around a lot, but it's, it's, it's very new. And I think it's gonna be very interesting that people are going to want to check out. So, um, and we're the first one that we're the first one to try it. So, you know, I, I had all the faith of them. So hopefully you will too.
0: Yeah. And again, everybody uh, go check it out. We are or uh, zoop.gg. There's a link yes. in the show notes. You can go, you can check it out. The campaign goes live on Monday. Um, but, but there, as, uh, as John said, there's some early bird specials. So you you know you can still go to the the page now and you can see it you can't order it quite yet it'll be available monday um but yeah you want to get in on those early bird
1: specials i'm glad you mentioned it. i was going to mention it uh, too yes and uh, other than the couple items that will only be available those two days every, the other items will have a discounted price so you'll be able, you know and i may you know i came up since i'm a massive collector i may i'd have really put a ton of thought into the. we only have a few items we're not going overboard we don't have coffee mugs We don't have bookmarks we don't have you know whatever so i made sure you know what the few things we have are going to be very desirable for the fans and the serious collectors so we're gonna have some very sharp looking pieces and yeah everything's done everything's there so yeah so be
0: sure you go and check it out everybody uh and again we're going to have there will be a special spotlight episode on monday of the comic source with John and and, uh, and Sam and Tish that come on and, and talk more in detail. If you wanna know more about the story, more about uh, you know how they came up with the idea and, and how the collaborative process was, make sure you tune in on Monday for that. And then on Tuesday, we have the Zoop CEO, Jordan Plosky is gonna come on and yep. he'll talk more in detail about um, just how game-changing uh, Zoop can be because I totally agree with what uh, John was saying. And John and I have had this conversation before uh, as well. Like he was mentioning, you know, so many Kickstarters, they, they take so long because the creators juggling answering questions and and packing up stuff to ship and dealing with the the, you know the printers and the marketing and all those other things that take creators away from
1: you know the writing table or the drawing table zoop kind of removed and the other thing you could add to is just life in general because stuff comes up whether you know you have a family thing or someone, you know, if someone's sick, you got, you know, so just general life things also impact trying to finish a book or pages. And that even happens when you're doing a book for Marvel or DC, you know, you know, things happen. And, you know, even if you had a regular job, whether you worked at, you know, a restaurant, or if you worked in an office, it's things come up and, and, you know, it just slows things down. So it's, you know, just that stuff happens. Yep, exactly.
0: So, so you have the weekend, everybody get over there, check it out. Be ready for Monday when uh slow city blues goes on sale. Highly recommend it. And like, and like John was saying, you're going to get all five issues right at once. Um, and I think it's going to be a massive success. So um, we're going to have John back on uh, after the campaign is, uh, is over and uh, people start talking about it. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to have you back on John, cause I, I want to talk about how the campaign goes,
1: you know? Yeah, I'm, I, and I can add one more thing. I was going on about the covers, which they're amazing, but obviously the interior artwork, which I did the inks and finishes for, and we had uh, the pencil, Sean Mall and colors, David Barron. It's, it's, it's very super cool. I wanted to do, like I said, I know how, how much it sucks. You putting your heart and money down for these silly comic books. I want to make sure you are really getting your money's worth. So I, I put down I put a thousand percent in every page, and so do the other two guys. I mean, we really. And Jace, you've seen a number of pieces from yeah. it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got to check out the whole first issue. And yeah, the yes. art Yes, and but I've
1: sent you. I've sent you a lot of black and whites.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that is true as well. So, uh, yeah, everybody, check it out. Uh, my temptation is to dive into more, but we want to leave it for Monday. It's all there in Monday spotlight. And yeah, we'll we'll have John back on uh, to talk about how the campaign goes, and we'll talk original art uh, at that time. So <laughs> yeah. I wanna, I, because I don't want to sell it, I don't want to sell it short, but I don't want to make this too long for you guys as well. So uh, again, John, uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining uh, joining me and giving giving us your sort of history with uh, with comics. Uh, you know, one of these days I'm gonna have to come over and just drool over your collection. Not <laughs> on your, <laughs> yeah, <I don't- laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll drool in the general direction of your uh, of your collection. It'd be really cool to check out. So
1: well, check out what I put up today. You're gonna you're gonna dig those Swamp Thing issues.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check it out right now. So. Uh, again, John, thanks so much. Best of luck on the campus. Yes.
1: Look forward thank to, you. Uh, to having you
0: back on uh, to talk about how it all goes down. And to all you listeners, uh, thank you for joining us as always. We, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us.